Hello. Welcome to Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to the end of February. It's kind of hard to believe that the season is that old, but according to the calendar, we have just about two months left to the Crunch's regular season schedule, and things are looking not quite where I'm sure we hoped they were going to be at the start of the season, especially with the roster Syracuse was given. And I think the most frustrating thing to all of this is that right now I'm recording on Saturday the 26th. So the game, the most recent game that I am going off of was Friday night the 25th against the Rochester Americans. There was so much good to take out of that game. One of the best parts of the entire game was, other than welcoming back Jamel Smith to Syracuse with a goal, thank you, Smith, it's good to have you back, Syracuse's only penalty kill of the night was, it was chef's kiss. It was beautiful. Syracuse had more chances on their single penalty kill Friday night than Rochester had on their single power play the entire time. It was amazing. It was exciting, and yet Syracuse was foiled ultimately during that penalty kill and for most of the game by Uka Pekalukanen. Yes, I just said the name because I like saying it a lot, but regardless, he was really good Friday night, and the Crunch only scored once. Rochester was able to score twice. The second time was in overtime, so the Crunch did get a point out of their performance Friday night, but As a whole, I think the team deserved better. However, as a whole, the team also lost together. And I think we're at this point now as fans where we're seeing so much brilliance out there. There is just a lot of good things happening on the ice with this team. And yet, Syracuse is still in pretty much the same position they were in a month and a half ago when they came back from the break that they had because of the COVID outbreaks that were happening across the league, where it's a really good team, they're clicking, everything is right, but then they make that one mistake, that one defensive lapse, that one moment that happens during that game, the momentum turns, and the crunch ultimately ends up losing. It's incredibly frustrating to watch as a fan, and I can only imagine how frustrating it is for the players. As of right now, and to be fair, once this podcast comes out on most of the major outlets, Syracuse will have played one more game versus Utica tonight, which won't be included in these standings, and then they will have also another game against Wilkes-Barre Scranton tomorrow, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, let me check my schedule here because I think it is a reschedule. Um, Maybe not. I don't know. This doesn't say. Usually this calendar schedule says when it's a reschedule. But regardless, Syracuse also has a game against Wilkes-Barre Scranton that was played on Sunday the 27th that I don't know the results of at this point in time as well. So just keep that in mind. But as of right now, Syracuse is one spot out out of the playoffs in the North Division. They are in sixth place. They are only in sixth place by two point by, um, oh, <laughs> sorry, I f- briefly forgot that we use points percentages now and was very confused because when I looked at Syracuse's sixth place points, it was 46 versus fifth place Belleville's 45, but 
Belleville has two games in hand on Syracuse, and so their points percentage is higher than Syracuse's by one one hundredth of a point. So that's obnoxious. Okay, so regardless, (laughs) Syracuse is sniffing around that playoff spot. The problem is they've been sniffing around that playoff spot now for almost a month and a half. The Crunch really needs to find a way, if they're really looking at a postseason run, to push themselves to get deeper into that playoff set. Because the way that the playoffs are set up this year, I had actually forgotten, as probably most of us have, because this is very strange this season, that the top five teams in the division make the playoffs. The whole playoff set is really weird, and I'm not going to explain it too much verbally because, to be honest with you, it's almost impossible to explain verbally. But just as a gentle reminder, the first round of the playoffs in the North Division will have fifth place facing off against fourth place, while one, two, and three in the division just basically get to chill. So they don't have to play that first round in the North. They just get to hang out, which is weird, but okay, fine, whatever. So Syracuse, potentially, if they, depending on how that works out, as of right now, if the crunch was in fifth place and Belleville was in sixth place, Syracuse would be facing Rochester, the same team that they faced this past Friday night, the same team with a pretty hot goalie right now. Granted, in two months, will Ukapekalukanen be in Rochester still and not up with Buffalo? I don't know. But they'll be facing a pretty good Rochester team. Yes, Rochester has fallen a little bit. They were once alternating with Utica for the top of the North Division. They are no longer up there. They are now in fourth place. But still, Rochester and Syracuse have been trading wins and losses all season long. That is going to be a very tiring first-round draw when the other three teams in the division are just chilling and not playing. In some ways, that loss of momentum might hurt more than it helps. But now we're getting into all kind of theoretical, philosophical discussions about this. And what is on paper right now is that if the Crunch was in fifth place, which, I mean, they're they're out of fifth place and in the tiniest little sliver of a points percentage, they would be facing Rochester first round. So you're going to see very, very close games. It is a best of three. So the first round is still a best of three, even though it's such a weird setup, especially for the, the North and the Central, where you only have a couple of teams that are playing that first round. And it's going to be a tough series. Whichever team comes out of that series then has to play the other teams that have just been chilling. Um, They'll have to face the first place team, which right now is Utica. So after getting beat up by Rochester, assuming that Syracuse was able to hit that best of three series, they would then get Utica first place in the North Division as a reward in the second round. While Toronto and Laval, again, as of things stand right now, would duke it out for the division semifinals over in the other bracket. The North Division is tough this season. Syracuse ran into some bad luck with the COVID 
outbreak in the league happening right when, historically, under Ben Grew, the Crunch has managed to get themselves together. This has been a tough draw for the Crunch this season, both COVID-wise and just in the North Division. Syracuse has been really challenged by the teams that they're surrounded with, and they have two relatively full months, but relatively short months, too, to figure it out. It's going to be very interesting to see where this goes. I had hoped that I would be welcoming Jim Sorosi onto the podcast today, but unfortunately we weren't able to coordinate our schedules. So I still am hopeful that he will be able to come on with me at some point in time, maybe during March, and we can talk about the playoff push and some of the the highlights of this past season with being able to welcome fans back and everything that's been happening. So my hope is that we'll still be able to figure it out. But unfortunately, he was unable to come on this week. So you just get me today. The other thing that I wanted to talk about really briefly was I wanted to do a plug for something that I was asked to do by the team. You know, full disclosure, I always like to be honest with you all. Jim actually emailed me and asked if I would be willing to help out the team and help out Spectrum, which is a news service here in Syracuse. It's a cable news service. They run the cable internet, and they also have their own news channel because they wanted to do a first-person perspective on following a season ticket holder around during a game. So, So this past Friday night, you may have noticed if you pay any attention to me or if you know where I sit, that the um, gentleman that I was with was quite different from my best friend who was usually with me. You know, her family is going through some really tough times right now. My heart is with them. And Sonny decided to take the night off from the game because of what's happening. But it, it probably was for the best, to be honest with you, because the gentleman that I was with, who is a reporter by the name of Kevin Hayes, he kind of ended up crawling all around and, and switching seats and, and getting best angles because part of this first-person perspective was that there was a camera involved. And he asked me a lot of questions. We had some great conversations about not only the history of the team. We talked about the, the just some things that I can remember, the role that enforcers have played in the American Hockey League and how that's changed over time. We talked a little bit about the improvements in the building and the benefits of being a season ticket holder. But we also talked about Syracuse's initial decision to have a vaccine mandate in order to get into the games for those who were 16 years or older. We talked about the recent initiative that they have signed up with with Upstate to promote even more vaccinations and getting more people vaccinated in the surrounding community. We talked about those things as well and how much I am really pleased to have my own personal values reflected in the values of the hockey team that I cheer for. In a league where independent owners are becoming more and more rare, I think that it's really important to have the owners be in tune with their fan base and yes they took a lot of flack for it and if you are someone who was on the other side of this I respect you completely that is totally fine the interview did not center necessarily around this issue it was just something that came up and I do believe it is going to have a focus on it but it is not something that we talked about super extensively so 
I would really love it if you have the opportunity to tune into that. I am not sure when it is going to be edited together and when it'll air, but Kevin did say something maybe towards the end of this upcoming week, so perhaps Thursday or Friday. It'll be out on my socials whenever he promotes it, so if you want to keep an eye out for that, I'm really interested to see how this came out. Kevin had this rig where he slid his phone into it, and as he asked me questions, he alternated between me and the arena and the game and warm-ups and all kinds of things. He followed me around for a little bit. Truth be told, I was... I felt a little awkward through the whole thing. It's very challenging having a camera that close to you all the time. And I know that, you know, like Crunch broadcaster Lucas Favale is on camera a lot for the pregame stuff and and the postgame stuff that the team does. And the the players are on camera a lot. And and I, I don't know how... I mean, granted, normally they don't have a camera following them for like two and a half hours, but that was really challenging for me to maintain my composure through the whole thing and not and be natural with it all. So I'm really curious to see how this came out. And I'm I'm grateful to get the chance to share this perspective of a season ticket holder. I know the team is also going through a season ticket holder drive right now that they're really trying to get either re-recruit some of their old season ticket holders that maybe didn't renew for this season because of everything that was going on or attract new season ticket holders as the team tries to get back into a rhythm after the whole COVID pause and the season without fans. So I think that this will be really opportune and well-timed to go along with that as well. So if you have a chance to tune in, uh, that would be great. And any feedback that you have would be welcome. I hope everybody enjoys it. And I do want to thank Kevin for hanging out with me that for that game and, and making it as natural as possible. He, he really did a good job kind of it was easy to pretend that the camera wasn't there just because he made it feel more natural than I think someone else may have. So just a really quick plug for that. And thank you so much to those of you who are able to tune in. I appreciate it. So with two months left to the regular season, where is Syracuse's schedule at? Well, the there's kind of good news and bad news. The good news is that Syracuse will have plenty of time to gain points on their North Division opponents. As expected, Syracuse plays the North Division a ton throughout the month of March. The only non-North Division teams on Syracuse's schedule for next month is a Wednesday, March 16th game versus Hartford, a Friday, March 18th game versus Wilkes-Barre, and a Saturday, March 19th game versus Bridgeport. All of the other games are against Rochester, Utica, Toronto, Belleville, which will be an important one given the standings currently, and Cleveland. So, and most of those games, unsurprisingly, are against Rochester and Utica. 
If Syracuse can get itself into any kind of more secure playoff position, those games versus those teams, especially Utica, are going to be a really good measuring stick for the Crunch to use as to see how playoff ready they actually are. My guess is that Utica probably will end up finishing first in the North Division this season. They are heads and tails above the rest of the division. Points-wise, they are tied for first in the league right now. So if we were still going by points, that just shows you how far ahead of everybody else they are. And points percentage-wise, they are a full almost, yeah, I mean, they're they're far. So there's there's really, I don't see anybody in the North catching up to Utica. I think that they are going to have if they eventually do make it. I mean, the the best team in the Atlantic right now is the Springfield Thunderbirds, and even they are behind in points percentage and points where Utica is currently. So we really could see Utica make a return to the Calder Cup Finals this season unless something drastic happens in the Eastern Conference between now and the end of the season. So good for them, good for their fans. It's going to be really tough to beat Utica coming out of the North Division at the very least. So those couple of games that Syracuse has against Utica during the month of March are going to be really big for the Crunch as far as that measuring stick goes. How are they measuring up against a fully-fledged playoff team? Where are they going to have to be? What improvements do they have to make? Player-wise, Gabriel Dumont continues to dominate the team's score sheet. He is having one of the best seasons of his career. I talked about this a little bit with Patrick Williams during my previous podcast episode where he came on as a guest. But, I mean, he has already surpassed his career goal goal total. He is now at 23. So that is a career best goal total for him. His 40 points that he currently has in 45 games ranks almost the best in his career. There are three other seasons that I'm looking at where he pretty much played a full season. Uh, His season in in 2018-19 with Syracuse was cut slightly short at only 59 games. I think he had some recalls or something or injuries. I don't really remember. It might have been recalls. But, I mean, his 40 points is very close to becoming the highest point total that he has had in his career. His highest was when he was with St. John in 15-16 with 49. So he's already at 40 points. My guess is he will surpass that by quite a bit by the end of the season. So Syracuse's captain continues to show why he not only is still playing, but also why he's the captain of this team. He absolutely leads by example. Ben Grew really seems to mesh with Dumont. Dumont plays very well underneath Grew, and I think that their leadership styles are probably fairly similar. You know, Dumont just really seems to enjoy the systems that Tampa Bay has set up for their players to play in, and he just really seems to like it here. So it's definitely for Syracuse's benefit that he is with them this season, and it'd be really great maybe if he could be with Syracuse next season and perhaps have a little bit of a better result on the ice whole team-wise, but we'll have to see as this summer approaches and where everybody ends up. 
As has happened for most of the season, Charles Houdon is behind Gabriel Dumont on the score sheet with 30 points, 18 goals, 12 assists. Cole Kepke has continued to keep up his place towards the top of the crunch score sheet, and then Sean Day and Alex Barry-Boulay. Patrick Williams and I were pretty hard on Barry Boulay during our last podcast, but while his assists currently rank first on the team at 21, his goals are still only at three. It's been very weird watching Barry Boulay play because it just seems like when he can get the puck on his stick, it's almost as if he's forgotten what to do with it then, that this kid can't buy a goal even if he wanted to. It's it's really weird watching him play now, especially having watching having watched him through his first couple of seasons in the American Hockey League where he was just so dominant. Every time he got the puck, there was, you know, a 99.9% chance he was going to score with it. So it was it's just very weird watching him now. And it just it does you can't help but wonder like what's going on because he's clearly still a very good player, but yet for some reason this this kid can't buy a goal, and I'm not sure what's going to happen next with Barry Boulay. My guess is something either he'll start scoring or something else will get figured out. But definitely, for him to only be in fifth place in Syracuse's score sheet, it's it's weird. It's definitely weird. A player who has really come alive for Crunch is uh, forward Ramey Ellie. He has 19 points currently, 9 goals, 10 assists, and he is someone who I think has really started to be very visible over the past couple of weeks. He was someone that the organization was really excited to sign. He was previously with Rochester last season. He always played hard against Syracuse. He had some really good reviews from those within the organization coming into this season. And it's been really nice to watch him kind of come back from injury and really start to get himself going. Anthony Richard, who was just recently traded to Syracuse at the uh, kind of the middle of this past month, has also really started to show up for the crunch. In 10 games with Syracuse, he has one goal and six assists already for a total of seven points. So he has almost, he's halfway to the point total that he had in Milwaukee in 31 games. He had 12 points. 10 games with Syracuse, he already has seven. So he is more than halfway to the total that he had had in Milwaukee in not as many and in, in, in not as many games. So it's been really nice to see him slide right into the roster and really look like he is at home. PC Labrie is another person who continues to make a name for himself in a crunch jerseys. In the 21 games that he has played for the crunch so far, he has seven points. Granted, you know, PC Labrie is not necessarily someone you have on your team to score goals, but it's really clear that his attitude and his never-say-die spirit and some of the physicality has really re-energized this team. It would just be really nice if they could take that energy and refocus it into, you know, Coach Grew after Friday night's game, criticized some of the compete level. that He mentioned that although like the, the, the crunch had twice as many shots on goal as Rochester did by the end of the game, they, they tried to get the puck in the net. But Coach Grew made the comment that it just didn't seem like the compete level was, was high enough for the team to get the win. 
and it's hard from the stands to, to necessarily see that. As I've said, what I do see is one mistake is made, the other team capitalizes on it, and then where things go from there is generally not positive. So it's frustrating. You know, hopefully the pieces and bits and and long stretches that we are seeing of competitive, energetic, positive gameplay can be turned into more wins because I do think there's a lot of potential still with this team. I think this team really likes each other. I think that they enjoy playing with one, one another. It's been really nice having Daniel Walcott back on the ice. He was up with the Lightning for a little while when the taxi squads were in use. It has been amazing having Jamel Smith back. That was a definitely an, exci- an exciting addition to the Crunch's roster when Detroit, who had previously claimed him from Tampa, tried to send him down. Almost everybody that I saw online was hoping that the Lightning was going to claim him back. They did, so now Smith is is with Syracuse, which is what the Lightning was intended to, beginning, to, to begin with. I think that'll really help the crunch going down this stretch. But, you know, it's hard. You never seem to know what the goaltending is going to bring on any given night. We never seem to know what the defense is going to bring on any given night, and we never necessarily seem to know what the offense is going to be bringing on any given night. So, I mean, there's definitely things that need to be changed, and there's definitely room for improvement and more consistency is going to be needed from this roster going forward, moving into March and April as the team really looks to get deeper into that playoff push. I think that will do it for this week's episode, so I want to thank you all so much for listening. I'm Alex Ackerman. I'm the host and creator of this podcast, and my social media is always open to anybody who wants to come follow me or wants to give any kind of feedback or ask questions. My personal Twitter is at Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O, and my hockey handle is over at Sinbin Crunch. I would also like to thank Kevin McLeod and Purple Planet Music for the royalty-free tracks that were heard throughout this podcast. I hope you all have a wonderful week or two until I see you again. Take care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I'll talk to you soon.